welcome to my podcast. It's called Robin's Fit Nest. I think primarily because of the nesting and my name is Robin and I just thought it would be um, a fun name to call it so that we can all feel like we're in a comforting nest and um, really it's just time to settle down and <laughs> talk about what's top of my mind today. So enjoy. Welcome back. So great to have you all back this week. I'm excited to talk to myself today about imposter syndrome, which is something that has recently come into my sphere of reference a couple of times. So although I'd heard the term, I think we've probably all heard it somewhere, I hadn't really uh, heard anyone admitting that this was a thing, that they felt this way. And then suddenly, of course, as, as it always does seem to happen, as soon as you hear somebody, one person talking about it, it was coming up in conversations. So the meaning of it is quite logical if you think about imposter syndrome, uh, but it goes further than just um, the face value of the words, obviously. So um, if you haven't heard the term or have never really thought too hard about it and want to explore the meaning a little more deeply, I have used my handy Google research to help us all with this. So we'll start with the uh, Wikipedia definition, it states that, quote, imposter syndrome, also known as imposter phenomenon or imposturism, impostorism, sorry, <laughs> is a psychological occurrence in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments, and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud, unquote. Um, Unpacking this even further, because that, that was pretty much what I had understood it to be, um, so I was glad to know that I was correct. Anyway, unpacking this a little further, I found out that this syndrome was first given its name in 1978 by two female psychotherapists, Pauline Clance and Suzanne Eames, uh, or Imes, I don't know, I-M-E-S. Their research states, quote, the term imposter phenomenon is used to designate an internal experience of intellectual phoniness that appears to be particularly prevalent and intense among a select sample of high achieving women. Certain early family dynamics, see last week's podcast, and later introjection, introjection of societal sex role stereotyping appear to contribute significantly to the development of the imposter phenomenon. Despite outstanding academic and professional accomplishments, women who experience the imposter phenomenon persist in believing that they are really not bright and have fooled anyone who thinks otherwise. Numerous achievements, which one might expect to provide ample objective evidence of superior intellectual intellectual functioning do not appear to affect the imposter belief, unquote. So, uh, yeah, the one thing that I, I did, did read um, around that was that initially because of these, these two women who, who gave this a name, uh, was that it was particularly or prevalent, prevalently or only 
um, high achieving women that this was something that was a problem with. Anyway, um, going on and, and digging even further, the American Psychological Association goes on to say, quote, most people experience some self-doubt when facing new challenges, uh, says Lieberman, a Beverly Hills psychiatrist and author. But someone with imposter phenomenon has an all-encompassing fear of being found out to not have what it takes. Even if they experience outward signs of success, getting into a selective graduate program, say, or acing test after test, they have trouble believing that they're worthy. Instead, they may chalk their success up to good luck. Uh, It goes on to say the imposter phenomenon and perfectionism often go hand in hand. So-called imposters think every task they tackle has to be done perfectly, and they rarely ask for help. That that perfectionism can lead to two typical responses, according to Clance. An imposter may procrastinate, putting off an assignment out of fear that he or she won't be able to complete it to the necessary high standards. Or he or she may over-prepare. So either procrastinate or over-prepare, spending much more time on a task than is necessary. It finishes off by saying, ultimately, the imposter phenomenon becomes a cycle. Afraid of being discovered as a fraud, people with imposter feelings go through contortions to do a project perfectly. When they succeed, they begin to believe all that anxiety and effort paid off. Eventually, they develop almost superstitious beliefs. Unconsciously, they think their successes must be due to that self-torture, Eames says. Wow. So you get the picture. Um, I can't say that I've felt this way for any particular length of time. Of course, we all have self-doubt now and then um, or feelings of inadequacy or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, But I have no particular insights uh, in a a long-term feeling this way. But um, the recent women I heard talking about about this uh, were extremely successful journalists, very intelligent and famous and on television. They both admitted that they had felt this way for years and had only like in as much as they were being interviewed, they were being quoted, they were being asked their opinion um, and really didn't understand why on earth anybody was looking to them for this this type of uh, information, etc. Um, and they, they both admitted that they uh, had only finally come to terms with the fact that they had actually earned their success, fame, and respect. So this led me to think more about the whole thing. And my, my one little insight, for what it's worth, um, was that I think perhaps particularly those of us who surround ourselves with intelligent, well-read, successful people, will be more likely to have higher levels of self-doubt or suffer from imposter syndrome. And it does follow that if you surround yourself with people who are actually intellectually inferior to you, less successful and less capable, it must be easier to have more confidence in your own ability as compared to theirs and be less likely to feel like an imposter. So 
yeah, I suppose in the high achieving world of business, etc., where these uh, women were first identified as, as suffering from this syndrome, um, that was the world they were in. A lot of uh, high achieving, um, intelligent, successful people. Anyway, another acquaintance of mine who I spoke to recently has suffered from this feeling for years in his work, he said. Um, he says he doesn't feel worthy of his generous salary. He doesn't feel that he has any exceptional talent. He doesn't feel that, that the respect he is given at his work is deserved. Um, and essentially, he falls firmly into the definition of suffering from imposter syndrome and even used those words. Um, however, in my opinion, well, not even my opinion, none of what he feels is warranted. And I told him this, um, something which also came to me in our conversation that I shared with him was that just because he was so good at what he did and found it so easy and effortless didn't mean that what he was doing would be easy for anyone else. And his expertise and knowledge was what was being recognized and rewarded. Um, and, and on that note, it's, it's funny how we often take ourselves for granted, which was essentially what he was doing because he was so good at it, because he's so bright, because it was just so effortless for him. It's like, well, uh, there's no way I could even begin to try and do what he, he does, etc. Anyway, to round this off, I was interested in what the professionals suggest to do in order to overcome this feeling as a rule. And they, there are seven suggestions given again by the American Psychological Association. Number one is learn the facts. So I thought, well, that's good because we all know the facts now, because I've told you, and understand that these feelings are not necessarily valid and that we all need to monitor our internal dialogue. It's all about our internal dialogue, as it seems most things are. Uh, number two share your feelings like my friend did and i was able to help him to talk about why he felt this way and helped him to realize how he was looking at himself and to realize his accomplishments and value number three along those lines again celebrate your successes if you don't then you aren't acknowledging that you have had them and this could lead to undervaluing yourself obviously number four probably easier said than done, but let go of perfectionism. If you happen to suffer from that, no one is perfect. It is admirable, of course, to strive for perfection. But if you fall slightly short, it's not the end of the world. Celebrate what you did do, not what you didn't do. Number five, cultivate self-compassion. If basically, if you can't give yourself grace, then you will not find it easy to receive compassion from others. And we all need to forgive ourselves and pat ourselves on the back now and then just for being you. Uh, number six, share your failures. We all have them. And what's fun to see is that as soon as you share yours, you'll find that others will share theirs. And then it all becomes less of a failure and more of a learning curve. Lastly, number seven, accept it. There will be times when these feelings come up, and that's fine and normal. But if we accept that at face value, then you can move forward and find that it's easy to leave these feelings behind and to grow into your strengths and abilities in every new situation. So, good luck. <laughs> Don't be an imposter. 
um, take yourself into the room and be present and be big. We all deserve to be where we are and we all deserve to be proud of ourselves. And don't forget, a heartfelt compliment might help someone else who's feeling this way today. So let's see how many heartfelt compliments we can give away this week. Have a great, great week. Oh, before you go, also, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please let me know and share this podcast with everybody. And also, um, find me on Instagram at Robin's Fitness. Okay, thanks. Bye.